Advanced State Radio Network. I have Rayanne Grossman with me, the Executive Vice President for Risk Adjustment for Cotivity. And I've, I've known Rayanne for, for quite some time in, in this industry. She's been an ally. She's been a supporter. Um, I appreciate Rayanne's been a supporter of the show. And I've been wanting to get Rayanne on the show for, for quite some time. And we've, we've had some pretty good people on the show. We've been making a nice little, little name for ourselves and, and getting some of the best and brightest minds in the industry. I wanted to pivot a little bit. I'm doing, I'm doing a series and, and bringing in women that, that are leaders in the healthcare industry. And I think, I think that that's so important. I talk, I talk all the time about my experiences of moving up and down the, the corporate ladder um, and some of the things that I've seen over the years, it, it wasn't until I got into uh, high positions with, with lots of visibility and control. And I started, Rayanne, I started looking at the salaries. And I would look at the women that were my directors versus the men that were my directors. Same qualifications, same background, all of that stuff. Men were making 30000 40000 more a year. And didn't realize that until I got in into the VP chair and then and didn't realize that a lot of even me as an African-American male made a lot more than my female counterparts, which some of them were more qualified and more experienced than than I was. And and when I learned that, you know, I kind of had a naive view. And, and when I learned that, I really became a champion for 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 and an advocate for fair pay and equal treatment for women. So um uh, before starting Paragon 7 Studios, I interviewed for a pretty prominent CEO job um, at a startup. And the first thing I said, um, this, was, this was a company that was in insurance that was looking to get into Medicare and Medicaid. They weren't, into, they weren't in that space before and made it pretty far in the interview process. And one of the first things I said when I met with their board of directors, I said, I will not take this job. If you, I said, if you hire me, I will pay women fair and equal from day one. That's the first thing that I'm going to do is that you will not pay women 70 cents on the dollar if I'm the CEO of this, of this uh, company. Now notice I opened Paragon seven studios and, and I'm doing radio. So I didn't, I didn't get the job, but it's just, I'm very, I'm always very curious when, when I talk to people like yourself that have been around, done this thing at a high level, managed, you know, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar portfolios. What, what are some of the, the things that you advise to, to young women that are, that are looking to, to climb up the ladder what are some of the things that you've gleaned as as far as has making sure and demanding that that you get the same level of treatment and the same level of opportunities? Because someone like yourself has broken through those glass ceilings and been highly successful and, and has a fantastic name in the industry. I'm just curious of your thoughts. Um, so I'll answer it as best as can. And then if you have other sub questions, let me know. I think, um, you know, starting out as a woman, the more education the better. So I found that having a master's was meaningful. I could check that box and have the next, you know, the next interview, maybe make it a little bit further in the process. Um, I think it's really important for women to dress and look and sound professional, even in, you know, on casual days, on casual Fridays in my life, I've probably worn jeans to the office three times. Really? Interesting. Now, every time I see you, you're always you always uh, dressed to the nines. But I just thought that that was a personal preference. So it's very interesting. So you what could you elaborate on that? Why do you feel that that is so important? I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. I'm just curious of your thoughts. I think now maybe with COVID and things like that, you know, maybe right. people are more used to casual. 
But when I, I grew up, you know, in the industry about 20 years ago, it, I really felt like I had to dress for where I mm. wanted to be, not where I was. I had mm. to know the numbers better. I had to think about the metrics and, and kind of prep for my meetings in a different way. So that if, you know, I had questions, I'd have to phrase them in a, in a very clear and more financial or number driven um, perspective than I think people look at women at times as, you know, emotional and things like that. So how do I always engage um, in a way that's, you know, wildly professional, incredibly clear and concise and, and then look um, the part, so to speak. We talked about social determinants of health and, and what I've seen is, is a rise in these programs for food delivery. U.S. Hunger is one of my biggest sponsors and, and partners with the business. I have a very good relationship with Farmbox RX. Um, uh, the Cook's Nook is a new sponsor to the show. And these are all programs. I've been on that side trying to get transportation benefits and food benefits and stuff into bids. I've fought tooth and nail just to get a basic transportation benefit for in-stage renals, knowing that people have to go to dialysis three days a week. Um, I've been in places like Phoenix and Tucson where it's 110 degrees and done ride-alongs to make sure that, that they were picking the people up, that they didn't have to walk or be wheeled very far after going through a dialysis treatment. I really think that social determinants of health, and you touched on it in the last segment, is kind of the final frontier, especially with CMS really moving uh, the weight away from HEDIS, basically saying, we're not going to give you credit for keeping a diabetics A1C under nine, which is still horrible. We actually want members to have a good experience and we want them to be adherent on their medications. Um, why is social determinants of health so important when you have the holistic view of the members and what are groups like Cotivity, even though that's not necessarily your core competence, you're working with value-based, you're really putting things together. You're, you're leading strategically for, for the health plans that, that you engage with. Why is SDOH so important to, to cultivity? Well, I think, and I love this question. I think it's extraordinary, again, the gift that the government has been given us that we can look at other things other than just clinical care. How do we get the patient, one, more health literate? So, you know, James, as you think of all this, it starts with we have, you know, single digit health literacy. And so at Cotivity, how we think about it, we have a consumer engagement company called Eliza that we purchased and have woven into um, okay. my business area. With and Eliza. So, yeah. And so they actually call the members and, and help them understand what their supplemental benefits are and mm. try to move them through that care journey, whether it's, um, you know, in-home delivery of, of pharmacy um, or there's, you know, you know, transportation and things like that. We're trying to be kind of the the aggregator of those opportunities and, and then um, quickly and easily outreach to the member to make sure that they understand and are aware of all those benefits because that's the other challenging part is I don't think sometimes when you purchase a, a Medicare Advantage plan you don't understand all the things that you can do to to get to the doctor or to you know have that virtual visit so it, it's about building awareness building health literacy and then really what I call like creating bite-sized morsels to the care mm. journey, making it, okay, if you need the yeah, transportation, we've got that. If, if um, you know, if you need your meds delivered to your home, that's easy too. Um, so I really find um, social determinants of health an interesting area and one that we need to weave the story together a bit better. And then it's also hard to 
you know, to pay for some of these things. So, and that's you know, back to the, the other part of what we were chatting about is what's my risk adjustment and, and stars are so important to Medicare Advantage is they need those extra dollars to really, um, you know, move the member through their um, needed um, care experience. No, that's, that's, that's fantastic, uh, Rayanne. I, I just, I would like to, first and foremost, thank you so much for, for your support and, and coming on the show and taking some time out of your day to, to talk to me about cultivity and talk to me about your career and, and insights and, and advise uh, young, up-and-coming, aspiring leaders, not just in this field, but, but just in fields across the country that look up to individuals like yourself. I always say when we have someone on the show, what, what's, what's your social, not your social security, but can we, can we, are you on Twitter? Are you on, are you on the gram? Where, where's the place if somebody wants to plug in with Rayanne Grossman or is interested in, in talking to Cotivity about, about risk adjustment products, how do they find you? So it's really easy. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, a lover of LinkedIn. So that's probably the best way to find me. And, and, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm not all that social outside of LinkedIn, but um, obviously I'm happy to chat with anybody from a productivity perspective or just risk adjustment. Um, we're all trying to build a better, you know, healthcare system and happy to collaborate with the community to do so and happy to collaborate with you anytime you need. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Raya Grossman. <laughs> Executive Vice President for, for Risk Adjustment at Cotivity and a, and a colleague of mine for, for many years and, and someone that, that has been a fantastic ally and asset for me personally in, in my career as I've flown around the country from, from, from Nashville to Seattle to, to Highmark in Pittsburgh to Arizona and back to, to Nashville. So thank you so much for your time. It's, it's, it's a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you at the next conference. James Lewis. I've seen iced tea and cocoa, man. I love iced tea. I've been looking at iced tea since six in the morning. You know what I'm saying? I'm a big fan of iced tea. I seen him in the airport with his girl. He's like, Mike, we need to do a movie together. I said, all right. But in my mind, I said, man, they only give you two lines on law and order. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. He linked over a dead body the other night and said, yep, that's him. <laughs> you are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. The Cook's Nook Food Services Group proudly makes and delivers our handmade mosaic meals and mosaic meals to go daily to communities across Austin and Central Texas. We're a purpose-driven food and nutrition services group created to help organizations and their clients make meaningful improvements and advancements toward equitable access to proper nutrition and food security within their diverse communities. The Cook's Nook, Mosaic Meals, and Mosaic Meals to go because everyone deserves a delicious, nutritious meal.
Ready, Professor? Yeah. We'll start with an easy one. Is your name, in fact, Deshaun Fredericks? Yeah. True. And do you reside, in fact, the 1200 block of Woodyear Street in West Baltimore? Yeah. And did you and Monel shoot your boy Pookie down on Carey Street just like Monel said you did? Nah, no. Bye. Mm. Mm-hmm. Machine is never wrong, son. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Black women are fierce, brilliant, courageous, dope. Black women are making a difference, making history, and changing the world. I think about all of the Black women who have showed up to fight for justice. We are starting to finally accept all the skills and talents a woman can bring to the table. Urban One, thank you. This one is so special. 